Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Red 7, Red 7, Red 7, Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't, what is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here, you ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? I'll get you the ball! I'll get you the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. I got a whole lot of money, money. yummy yeah. for me. Bottle key, popping that water, man. Jack yeah. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Welcome into 11 personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here to talk to you about Kentucky's big win over Florida and get you ready for the game. This Saturday, in front of a sold out crowd against the LSU Tigers, their first trip to Lexington since the top ranked team in America was upset back in 2007 but first look at we got to talk about the game and i'm not gonna lie there was a moment when we were in the car on the driving back home after the game where i almost just wanted to just like pop out the voice memos because i felt like we were almost doing the podcast before the podcast you know yeah it was like some classic uh man how about that play which like i i feel like we don't get as much that now that we're in the biz but there's nothing like, uh, especially for all those who grew up having to travel to the games, you have those moments where you're on your way back, you listen to the post-game show, and then you turn it down, and then, you know, your dad turns around, man, can you believe he made that one play? Like That's that. the best part. That's <laughs> why you do it. Like, that is – going to these games is a time commitment, and it's fun. Um it's great bonding, whether it's with your friends, your significant other, your kids, your parents. You go, you hang out outside, eat good food, um, and you do all that. But really, like, the drives, the wins, mm-hmm. like, just the, those memories and those experiences are why you do it. And then, like, the drive back, I mean, that's just a, you know, I've done it before. It's a pure bliss drive back. Like, you're just talking, like, going through over the game in your head, talking about it, listen to the post-game show. It was just a moment for a lot of people that they had waited a long time for. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could sense it in the crowd. The place was unhinged <laughs> from about two hours to – I mean, from the catwalk on, like I was there and I was like, man, this is kind of different. Yeah. Like, and- it wasn't – because, Nick, like it, 
I talked about this. We've talked about this on the pod. It wasn't the Georgia crowd from 2018. No, 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 no. That crowd, now Georgia fans come in and droves had a lot to do with it, but that crowd was more of like, I can't believe this is real. I can't believe like we're here. Like someone wake me up. And this crowd was like, I want that gator head on a, I want that gator's head on a stick. And like, <laughs> it's like, we're winning this daggum game tonight. And it was, and it just kind of built, built and built. And then it came to like a crescendo at when that, when he blocked the kick and returned it. And the, because before that, the, the, I thought there was going to be a, you know, a riot on our hands for some of those calls. Yeah. Yeah. They were bad. Um, and so, cause you could kind of see in my head, I was kind of replaying kind of the stuff that's happened in previous Florida games with some bad calls. We even heard Stoops talk about it pregame this week. And so, and that just turned it on. And then after that, man, it was just like, I mean, it was a madhouse um, for the last 20 minutes of a game and they were able to pull it out. And it was just pure bliss there at the end. You, you had a stat before the game where you went back and, Check the numbers on all of the big stoop sellouts, and I believe they were three nine and one against the spread. Yeah, four nine straight up, three eight and one, three eight and one. There you go. Um, which just goes to tell you that in those big games, Kentucky's rarely even kept it close, let alone just win. So, the fact that there was a lot of buildup, but I think even more so. Knowing that this moment was attainable, because you're right, that Georgia game, people knew that it was, we're just kind of happy to be there. The Auburn game uh, back on that Thursday night, that was a fun, people were there to have a great time. It's not the animosity with Florida, though. Exactly. I mean, like the, the hatred for that place, for that coach, for those colors, it runs deep. We've been dealing with it for years and years. And yeah. Even though Kentucky got that win down at the Swamp, a lot of people didn't get to experience that. And there's a difference experiencing it firsthand and having Mm -hmm. them lose in front of your face and getting to enjoy that their misery, just drinking up their tears. And it was almost like the, the fans were going to do whatever it took, by God, to make it happen. And you know what? They did. They, they mm-hmm. helped make it happen. Florida jumped off sides eight times. Uh, they had a delay of game on a field goal that could have taken points off the board. They did everything they possibly could to help make this upset happen, and it worked. Uh, they're, they're, that win does not happen without the most unhinged crowd to ever set foot at Kroger Field. Just imagine they would serve beer in there. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, like the fall wouldn't set you back so bad now, would it? Two hundred fifty thousand dollars fine. The fall starts when you because I've been in a crowd like that where you get a couple and then it just becomes like, oh, you know, we got all you, of them now. Then you think like we're really making an impact, so you want to get even louder and louder on all these third downs. Well, and then you've got Waka there, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we've got to go even nuttier. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. And I just think like when I was handicapping the game, the reason I thought. Like Kentucky would have to be plus one, maybe plus two in the turnover margin was because I thought Florida would win the total yardage battle. They would win the yards per play battle. Um, and they did yards per play, right? I think they won it by small margin. I think they were like 5.3. Kentucky ended up at like 4.9. Um, but the stat, if you're looking at the stat broadcast, it's uh, it's off because they left a couple plays off of there. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's weird. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Florida won those battles in, you know, Kentucky was one of 10 on third down, 
But with that said, I just did not – the success Kentucky had fitting the run and stopping their rushing attack, they held them almost half of their – like half of their season total yep. rushing yards mm-hmm. and three yards less than their yards per carry number. That's a lot. Had a bunch of tackles for loss, um, no real big gains on the ground. I don't think Florida had a play over 20 yards in a game. That's correct. And when you look back, it was kind of the same. The Missouri game was very similar. If you make these teams drive the ball and you don't give up big plays, it's going to be hard for them to score. Florida had difficulty scoring. Missouri just was surgical. And now when you look up now, Missouri's number one in the country in red zone touchdown rate. So there was maybe a reason for that, that they were able to score all those drives. But against most teams, this strategy is going to work. And I think you kind of saw that play out. You got some great individual efforts from people. Offensively, Kentucky did some good things, Nick. Um, their rushing success rate numbers were the highest Florida's given up this season by a wide amount. They just didn't get the reps because you got to move the chains on third down. Um, so, But I think that can be a little fluky, though, sometimes. Kentucky on the season is a top 25 offense in third down conversion rate. They've been over 50% in every oh, game this they season. They were top 10 going into the game. Right. Yeah. So that, that to me, is a little fluky. Like, that's not going to happen every game. You're not going to just go – you know, they were one for 10 combined on third and fourth down. That's just not – that's just not going to happen. Um, so, I'm not worried about that long term, but in a vacuum, that really hurt them in this game. Especially um, that the – the so, if we go back to, like, the moments in the game, obviously, there was the big game changers, the block field goal, J.J. Weaver's interception. But there was a couple moments that were underrated that really turned things. You mentioned bad calls. A good call going UK's way. J.J. Weaver not getting ejected for targeting. That was huge. Yeah, um, no doubt. But one thing that – the part that I got worried, there there was a moment that I was like, oh, God, this is there, – there, there were two. One of them was Florida getting the ball with two minutes left before the half. It all three times. Yeah, total a classic middle eight opportunity. And you I got mean, a kicker that just hit one from 50. I mean, what was Mullen thinking? I don't know. He got asked about it in his press conference. Yeah, he I watched gave it some. It was a bad excuse. It didn't really make any sense to me, his explanation. It was like, well, you know, if you get it a little bit closer, then, you know, but if you, if you have a big t- bad turnover there, you set them up to score, and it's like uh, – that's some that's some scared money don't make no money stuff if I ever heard of. Well, that's him. just he's just saying I I don't trust him. He's regardless. saying without saying I don't trust my quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's all that is. Yeah. Let's um, let's get this thing into the half and let's win this with our defense. But that's all. And Emory Jones, like it was actually one of his better games. Oh yeah, I, I would agree. He um, made passing some good wise, throws. yeah, really good. But throws. Kentucky kept everything. You know, they stayed in their shell and kept everything in front. They're not going to let you take deep shots. You're going to have to dink and dunk your way down the field. And unless you're playing a legitimate top-flight quarterback, usually in college, that's a foolproof. It's almost a foolproof strategy because it's going to be hard for these teams to score, um, especially for Kentucky. I think they're just – they're so old, and they're just always in the right spots, it seems like, defensively. Mm-hmm. There's not many busts or this or that. Um I see Corker losing his mind time after time, trying to get people lined up. Oh, Square does it too. He really helped the young guys who are filling in for McCall. Yeah, Um, I mean, Square is kind of – he's lining up the defensive line almost every play um, based on where where the formation is and whatnot. Right. Corker is like, you know, he's grabbing these younger defensive backs and showing them where to go. I mean, they've got like – with those guys in Pascal, they've got pretty much three coaches on the field. 
those are all three-year starters who've played since their freshman season a lot. Right, right, right. And specifically Pascal, the dude was just he was, a maniac. He was crazy. An absolute maniac. And a big takeaway for me was, man, in this game, like when you get in these big moments, you got to have the players that just go make the plays. Um, you can look at the stats and be like, how did Kentucky win this game? But if you watched it and you paid it close, there was plays and Kentucky's guys made the plays. Yeah over Florida's guys. And some of the guys making the play, Josh Paschal, major recruiting win. Trevin Wallace, major recruiting a major win. recruiting win. Wandell Robinson, a major recruiting win. Like we can – like Kentucky's a developmental program and that's going to be important for that, getting guys and developing them like a Chris Rodriguez um, along those lines. Tyrell Asian, who's been awesome this year, was a great developmental story for them. But at the end of the day, you got to get the Joes, you know. You got to get the Jimmies and Joes. Mm-hmm. And in this game, I think Kentucky won it because their guys, their Joes, went out and made some plays. Wandell took the screen to the house. Pascal was just an animal. Um, and then Trevin Wallace gets the ball and he and makes the, you know, if that ball goes to anyone else, I'm not sure if it's anybody, if Kentucky scores there. Yeah, no, no. But he uh, gets it and he, and he rumbles like he's, like he's God bless Bo Jackson just <laughs> down the sideline. And it was just, I mean, it was it it was it was wild. I mean, then that 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 roar when that happened was I don't know if I've ever heard that before. That was an all time roar. That place was shaken, um, man. And it, you know, you mentioned recruiting wins. I know he wasn't a big prospect, but if you were ranking, if you were re ranking guys in the transfer portal, Jacquez Jones would have been one of those guys right up there. He's been a uh, more than I think any of us could have expected. Uh, and yeah, we're, I mean, we're kind of forgetting. I mean, Jamin was great, but you're kind of forgetting about him. Yeah, I mean, you know, because he's still Which is saying plays, a lot. Particularly in the passing game, you know. And he did have one play, you know, I always, I always lose my you-know-what whenever I see a guy break contain uh, and, like, not keep their outside shoulder free. He had one that was kind of – I think it was probably the longest rushing attempt of the day from Anthony Richardson. But they, they were able to keep Florida's – offense in check for the most part but there does come a point where you're on the field a ton and that was my my one time that I really thought they were going to blow it because you had two this is the third straight time that Ford has been in Lexington and been trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter and after that big pop and after you get the Weaver pick and you go down and you punch it in you score a touchdown you don't mess around and kick a field goal I was feeling pretty confident that the defense was going to get a stop in in the game. It was going. Felt to like it was going to be hard for them to score twice with. Yes, because they were going to have two more possessions, so they had to score on both of them. But when Kentucky didn't get a first down, when their offense comes out there and goes three and out, that's the that that was the one that that goes back to the third down conversions earlier. That that's the inexcusable. Like you just have to move the chains there. Like there there's mm-hmm. you have to give your defense a break because. Ford is going to run tempo, and when you get guys in space like that, like it's hard to just even just to keep them out of getting within striking yeah. range. And yeah, it's but they got seven yards on first down too. That's why I mean, like how do you you got to get three and two plays? It was just, just third did. down. They just could not. They just couldn't figure it out all game. And, and, and it, I think that's I think it was going to be an anomaly of that game. And, um, but that was really kind of if Kentucky gets some more third downs, they probably won that game. But they could have won that game by two touchdowns. The way it kind of played out. The uh, the way that Stoops, when he was asked to about the Wildcat, he got a little – he showed his colors a little bit there with what happened. 
so Stoops likes that play like a wildcat that doesn't look like a wildcat because Levis is lined up next to him. So it's almost like, oh, we're just in shotgun, but oh, wait, the ball's going to Chris. You can tell that Stoops made that call. Cohen wanted the bootleg. And then, well, he, he, he got really assertive in the press conference. He's like, well, and then we run the boot later, and the boot doesn't work either. And it's like, well, maybe if you flipped him around, who knows? Now, yeah. like that, that's getting into semantics. But they've got to get that damn bootleg figured out. That, sh- that play should be money for them. Well, um, nothing. They got to figure out that wheel route, too. They've ran it way th- too many times for it to get zero yards to that running back. I have a theory on that, on the boot. Ooh, um, bootleg theory. Let's hear it. Like, Kentucky's running a lot. They're not really running outside wide zone at all, especially with Chris Rodriguez. Freddie made that um, point yesterday as well. It's a lot of power, gap schemes, some inside zone. Um, which I, I think is a good idea because that's who Rodriguez is. That's who he is, kind of a runner. Like when they're running outside wide zone, it's usually with smoke. Mm-hmm. I think as McClain gets going, you'll see him with it. And all the boot stuff is based off that. Um, they're running duo some. I think we saw some duo runs, um, which is like a double team on each side. So all the boot is based off wide zone. If you're not showing it, then they're going to like, they're going to know it's coming kind of thing. Right. There's no like the marriage of the run and the pass is not there because yeah. of that. And so, like, that's, that's I think, the issue with that. So, you got to kind of figure out how you're going to do it. Maybe it's just doing some, like, zone read type stuff with Levis. So, um, look at, I think this gets to the part – we're obviously going to, you know, be happy and talk about more of the good things that happen. But there is a part where uh, it was an ugly win at South Carolina. Nobody cares about the ugliness because it's Florida. But the offense has reached a crossroads. that They have – they're stuck in a rut right now. And that was a classic. But they're season. running the ball, like they're at a crossroads. But they just they just ran the ball on two good SEC defenses. Yeah. I think. Now, what they need to do though, as I think, I think the problem that we have here is we have a coordinator who is still adjusting to the personnel he has. So, what he has in his mind for how an ideal offense operates doesn't match the personnel that he has. So he's made some concessions. Like you said, Chris Rodriguez, let's just do a little bit more inside zone. He's going to get freaking seven yards. So why go away from that? But it's, it's kind of clunking up other things. And I I think that it's just, he's trying to find a happy middle ground, a happy compromise. And I think it's tough. And it's especially tough to do against a Todd Grantham defense. That's going to press you and blitz your ears off. It's just with that front, it was tough because they're coming at you. I think what they're really missing, like like Keaton Upshaw not having him, is a big loss because you want to talk about, you know, if teams are focusing on one Dell and you can run him deep as a decoy, you got to have somebody to attack that middle to intermediate area, and that that's Upshaw to a T, like yeah. a big tight end athletic target that can get open on the underneath. They just don't have that right now. I mean, it's it's Wandell and it's Ali and those other receivers. I mean, it's just like hopefully we get some. It feels like hopefully we can just get something out of them. Yeah, each week. So I, I like that's why a few weeks ago we talked about Wandell getting too many targets. I just did. I I kind of bucked at that just because you know we saw what happened last year. Yeah, you know it is what it is. Um, 
I know Wondell's good, uh, so you got to get him the ball as much as you can. Three tar- um, or five targets, three receptions on Saturday. Well, that they, they, that was he had six and four. That was they had a thirteen yard reception for Wondell. They took off there. Add to the stat broadcast. Well, they it was that was the penalty they had where they hit him out of bounds. Ah, uh, gotcha. so they marked it as no play when really the play counted it to dead ball penalty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, four grabs on six targets. He had what's like seventy something yards. Yeah, yeah. But you could use more in uh, to go back to it. Justin Rigg just had a bad game. Man, he dropped the. Yeah, pass. I, I like to know what happened on that boot. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just they're just they could really use Upshaw. I think he would kind of alleviate some problems. I'm hopeful that McLean can add more here in the passing game as we move forward through the season. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, I mean, they've thrown the smoke, I think, five times, and I don't th- – I think he's got one catch. Yeah. It's just not – that's not working. Right. Um. So, that's – those are snaps, I think, that are going to go to McLean here moving forward. So, I mean, they're just struggling to find guys. Like, Isaiah Epps had some moments against Chattanooga and Monroe, but he hasn't done anything against Who's the Power 5 teams they played. Chattanooga and Monroe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, Cummings is coming along. Um, but he is what we thought. He's just a project there. He's got a bright future, um, but it's just going to take him some time. And so when you're really looking at it, you know, it's Ali and Wandale. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, and then that makes it hard on your quarterback, I think. Um, but Will Levis had a rough day, but I walked away feeling good about him because he did make some plays. Yeah, some busted plays like, too. The hurdle run to get it to fourth and short, like – We'll forget about it because Kentucky didn't convert, but to even do that gave them a chance to score. Gave them um, a little bit of a boost going in the fourth right. quarter. Gets the crowd back into it. And then the fumble, uh, like a bad snap or whatever it was, yeah, and he just yeah. lowers his head. He gets six, seven yards. The place goes nuts. Yep. You know, I keep talking about it, but the QB run, I think, it. you know, they could use it. Is that – if you're well, – let's, let's put the headset on Luckett. If you've got to make a change or if you want to do something to give – to inject some life into the offense. Is that QB run? Is that your go-to right now? Yeah, I would give some – yeah. I mean, I I think some giving some more zone read stuff, um, especially with this inside zone they're running, they're, they're going to be crashing on Rodriguez hard. Just pull it a couple times on that. And I would like to see maybe some QB power and stuff like that. Um, and then you can kind of fake that stuff too and throw back and throw it. But I just think running that um, to get some – to make these secondaries a little more honest or with the QB run. Um, and I think Levis is good at it. I think he's a good, good runner. Um, and I think it can add some, you know, an extra oomph to your running game, which is mm-hmm. already good. And you get that, I think it can open up the passing game even more. Um, so that's really kind of where I'm at. They're, the passing game is what it is, man. It's just kind of their, their little handcuffed by their personnel, in my opinion. Just because of just depth, just is not there at receiver. Right, right, right. And these freshmen they have, I think they're going to be good, but they're you can tell they're just not. Those guys aren't ready yet. Mm-hmm. And so, it just they're just kind of you know stuck. That's why you, I think McLean's big because I think he had a. They were planning to have him heavily involved, pass catching, yeah. Get him back there. I think it's going to help eventually. I just don't know when it's going to be because it's going to take some time. Right, right, right. Which, but speaking of McLean, he, you know, when he came in, I think the, everybody in the stadium knew it was going to be a screen pass there. 
wasn't the one greatest rep, but I was surprised uh, at how well Joe Williams looked out there. He was a guy even in the yeah. That was my biggest my biggest surprise of the game was that and that Justin Rogers. Yeah, yeah, he, he looked up. like a top fifty recruit in. And where we where we've seen him before in games and practice, I hadn't seen that yet. Not even really even close. But it just kind of it was almost like a he got a switch flip. He's a gamer, man. He's a gamer, yeah. and they and they need that switch flip because McCall he's going to be out. Um, I heard four to six weeks, which you know uh, that's you look at Halloween. Yeah, hopefully having back from Mississippi State, if not Tennessee, probably Tennessee is is what you're looking at, especially with a bigger guy. I think it's an ankle. Uh, right. So, you know, but you, you got to roll high on those guys in the middle to make like that. That's that. Even though they aren't going to get a ton of the tackles, they did their part in what the other guys make plays. Um, there was a lot of good push in the line of scrimmage like Kentucky for playing two redshirt freshmen for the majority of the game. It knows they did not get pushed around whatsoever by that Florida front whatsoever that, at all. That Florida center had a rough day. Yeah, they, they 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 had it was a long night for him, and you know to go back to Williams quickly too. Like that can be that's an important spot. And Devontae Robinson, he made you know a nice little tackle for a loss, and to be able to spell him, um, I, I noticed that they matched up a lot with him. Just to have some guy that you're confident in. I mean, it, that that tells me a lot that they're more confident in Williams' athletic ability if he's out there matching up one on one on third down um, versus Robinson. So that tells me a lot about what they think yeah. about him as a player. And I, I had I had not even factored him into this equation at all. Like it. Yeah, I hadn't either. Um, but to me, I like I saw it and then I just kind of went back. Like if you go back and watch Joe Williams high school tape, it's one of the best I've seen. Um, now I've been doing this job a long time, but like he looked like he like I said it when he looks like a legit his tape looks like a legitimate top 50 to 100 prospect. Like like that guy was a dude in high school. He's playing in good, like it's a good league. Down and there, he ain't, yeah, he's not playing bums. Right, right. Uh, so like he's got it all. I think it was all with him. It was you know upstairs and just you know getting your stuff together, becoming more of a student of the game type thing. But yeah, I, I think he could be long term. He could be a big time difference maker. I think on defense. And so seeing him out there, um, and he held up. And they isolated him one time. They made a catch, but it was like just a great throw and catch. It was good coverage. So I think that was good to see. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's reasons to get excited about the defense in the future. Khalil Saunders um, looks like Ox is back up now. Yeah, which and hilarious he, quote from Stoops, too. It's like, yeah, well, he looked like he was going up against some quality competition. <laughs> 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 but I, I think for Saunders, too, I think he's just got some nastiness that Aboule, you know, just not there. He's got the physicality, but just. Um, Aboule, I mean, it is what it is. You know, if, if the, some flip, point, the switch ain't flipped by now. You got some younger guys there with some promise at the position. Yeah. Roll, roll them out, roll them out there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, is I think Ox was, had been better than him in games this year. So he kind of, and I think Ox has played well in his two starts. So, yeah, I mean, defense though, like just it, a couple weeks ago, we were just like, I don't know about this defense. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got, and Florida's got the ball in the nine yard line for seven plays and can't score. Like, that is, Florida ran for daggum crazy. almost 300 yards against Alabama, and they just, Kentucky was just, I mean, all on them that and so 
crazy. And now getting into next week, I'm like this week, I'm excited to see him because LSU cannot run the football. Now, Ed Orgeron came out in his practice or press conference. We were going to commit to running the, run the ball this week. We reestablished last year, Mitch. That's but not, uh, that was my horrible. That is, that is, that is, that is the worst Coach O impression I've ever heard. I thought the, I could do better than that. Everybody can do a Coach O, but except for Adam Luckett. He's the only one. Me. That can do a Coach O. There, you got it better yeah, like, than Come I on, dude. That's easy. Gosh. So, like, they're going to try to do that, but I just don't – I don't see that happening. Um, but LSU can pass the ball, uh, specifically deep. Max Johnson leads the SEC in 20, 30, and 40-yard completions. I mean, the lefty, too, it just looks good. Like, it looks weird coming out. Can no I, let's let's just do a dumb mental exercise of good left-handed SEC quarterbacks. Of course, Jared Lorenzen, but like, can we? David reason, Green, Georgia. I was, was going to say, I, I remember Green from Georgia. Did Ole Miss have one? I don't remember them having one. I, um, Clausen's brother at Tennessee was a Jimmy? lefty. Was it Jimmy no, Rick, or his younger brother. Or his older, it's like only his younger older, but he no, was lefty. Gosh, I because like the it's shot. I mean, Tua, I guess. Yeah, that. Yeah, they're just so rare, and it looks so different back there. And Jared, because, Jared, right? But like it, that's what I mean. Like, there's not a ton, and I guess we just see them as such gunslingers because if you're a big guy, the ball it looks like you're stretched so far back. Like because when Jared, Jared looked like he was throwing a baseball. He reached so far back to throw the yeah. football. And that's the kind of the same here with Johnson, whereas Tua was a very compact – Tua looked like a three-point shooter, the lefty three-point shooters, which those guys uh, – Well, you, Tua was like – he was an RPO machine. On that RPO slant, like, he just got that ball out in, like, in a, a in second. A, and it was like – it hit the guy in stride almost every time. Yeah. And – He was, like, made for to run that RPO slant play. And Max Johnson, meanwhile, is uh, long, just letting it rip. Uh, Long and skinny, yeah, yeah, yeah. His uh, the son of Brad, which will be brought up a lot. I'm not a TikTok guy. Uh, I refuse to get on there, but apparently Brad Johnson is quite the TikTok star. His name's like Trick Bra- Shot, Trick Shot artist. Yeah, and his name on there is like Brad, and then like seven digits. I, I don't know if it's like his telephone number or what he decided to put in there. Uh, but he, that's just his retired life is Illuminati and <laughs> and doing trick shots. I was a big Max Johnson fan when he came in to the foggy swamp and got a win last year, but now I want him to just throw the ball to the Kentucky defense um, because big be nice. plays for him are really LSU's best chance at winning this game. Him to Butte, which yeah. Butte is very good. There's stud, no doubt. There's no doubt um, about him. And uh, according to that LSU homer call, He's the best wide receiver in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, that's what the country. Or the country. Oh, yeah. yeah I and it. I said, he's pretty good. I don't know about all that. Uh, but LSU is 12th in yards per play offense in the SEC, despite all of this big play production. So they have they have labored to move the football. Like, they shouldn't have beat Mississippi State. They hit on, like, four big pass plays, oh, and that's why they won that game. One of them was hilarious, too, where two Mississippi State guys just, like, cleaned each other's clocks, ran into right. each other. And Mississippi State, I think, had a lot of turnovers in that game, mm-hmm. too. But since since Brad White has been – yeah, they were awful in the red zone. Yeah. Um, they had a couple miss missed field goals, I think. Mississippi State should have won that game. They were better. Since Brad White has been here, Kentucky's just been a master's at big play prevention to this point. Mm-hmm. 
last year they got beat up a little bit, but it was by like top 10 passing teams, you know, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama. Um, but when they're not facing that kind of caliber, they keep, they do a great job of keeping everything in front and not giving up big plays. And if they take this away from LSU, it's just going to be really, really hard for them in this game. Like, I think it's a very good matchup for Kentucky. Um, LSU's run numbers in the Power Five games defensively are really bad. Auburn, UCLA, and Mississippi, even Mississippi State had a lot of success running the ball against them. They averaged, what, 50 yards a game on the ground, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so I just think it's going to be a tough matchup for them. I think Kentucky's going to be really able to run the ball. Um, when For Kentucky, when you're looking at it, what the really – um, defensively, when you when you're Kentucky's on defense, really what they don't want to see is kind of like just a locked in, accurate, precision based quarterback, kind of similar to Connor Bates, like that can just dink and dunk with ease down the field. Yeah, that's why that Mississippi State game kind of terrifies. That's me. why that's a scary <laughs> game. It's a scary game. Yeah, and, and then defensively, you want to if you can establish a run. If the team is weak in run defense, you're gonna. I think they're gonna have. That's a good matchup for Kentucky. That's why Mississippi State. That's going to be. That's a scary matchup. Yeah. Um, there on October thirtieth. Uh, Zach Charbonnet averaged ten yards a carry against UCLA. Yeah, just um, in the three Power Five games, they're they're giving up a rushing success rate of fifty eight percent, which I don't even think Kentucky's hit that number in a game yet this season. Um, and Kentucky's been really, very successful rushing ball. That's how bad their run defense has been in- against U- UCLA, Auburn, and. Mississippi State and, and what's in, I, I'm glad you kind of set the table there because the thing that I think it worries you as a Kentucky fan is you're going to see another team that's going to play a lot of press um, they're going to try to be aggressive and they have those guys out there that I mean I doubt Derek Stingley plays uh, he's quote-unquote injured you know yeah. like, so you at least have him off the field but Eli Ricks Jay Ward the former UK commit like they have some dudes out there they're going to be able to cover and it's going to be hard for UK to get open but it gets yeah, a little I mean, bit easier if you can put Will Levis in manageable situations where if all hell breaks loose on third and two and they're in man, then he should be able to take off and get eight yards. Yeah, really the best thing they do is kind of rush the passer. Um, but if you don't put them in all these passing downs, you're going to have some success running the football. Um, and they're going to have to play both. They can't just pin their ears back. So I think it's a good matchup for Kentucky on that end. And then, like we talked about defensively, just take away the big play. Like, Nick, Kayshawn Butte is only a true sophomore. Um, and their next top three receivers after him are all true freshmen. True. Young. So they're just young on offense. Their best running back to this point in the I mean, season Max has Johnson's been a true a freshman. True sophomore, too. Correct? Max Johnson's a true sophomore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, they're even got some young guys on the offensive line they're start they're beginning to work in. Um, so like this is a like LSU feels a year away on offense. This just feels like a growing pain year. Mm-hmm. And then next year they should be a bear to deal with. Um, Billy Napier might be walking into something. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we <laughs> and, go. And so, like, that's how that's what I see. Now, I haven't dug super deep into their defense yet. Um, Damone Clark at linebacker is playing at an all SEC level. He's been awesome. But after that, like, they just – the numbers aren't great. Like, situationally, they've been really bad, and that's probably the weakest part of their defense. Third down, red zone, have not been good. And Kentucky quietly has a top 25 red zone offense, touchdown rate-wise. 
Wow. And last year, that was in the hundreds. That was one of the worst parts about the offense. Like, that's quietly been a pretty strong development. I would think defensively it's got to be up there as well, too. because no, Well, it's not because before the Florida game, they really ain't got any stops in the red zone. They're, Kentucky's I down guess, like the 70s or 80s. I guess the South Carolina game, they didn't get it. They got the stops before they got to the red zone. Right. Um, so it was a good scoring opportunity defense, just a little bit outside of it. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Billy Napier because – all right, look, it, it, we, you've been sniffing around this Gene Chizik kind of sit, I think even in the preseason. Uh, there's a lot that's been going on off the field there. This is a – do we think Coach O is best backed in a corner or do we think that the corner of the building is about to fall in on top of him? Well, he's talking about bringing Steve Ensminger back this week. What? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Oh I mean, man, it, that's desperate. That's somebody desperate. A, somebody asked him at the press conference, Nick, and it felt like a question that was asked because that was kind of like a source. People sources yeah. behind the scenes were talking about it. They knew it, and he they just needed O to confirm it, kind of deal. Yeah, and he talked about it. He said, "Yeah, that's like kind of a good idea. It's something we've talked about." Man, and that's not bringing Eddie Grand back to be a quality control guy either. Like that's a it's a much different kind of move. Yeah. Um. You can tell Orgeron's a little new offensive coordinator, Jake Peets. I think he's a little frustrated with him. Um, there's been issues like with them getting the plays in or whatever and changing the plays at the line. And Orgeron pretty much told him this week not to audible, which always sounds like a winning strategy. But also, how are you going to be able to do it in the crowd? Is this, I guess they did it at Mississippi State and you got to deal with the cowbells. Now, that was a noon game. The crowd was thin there. I was watching. It was. I had Mississippi State. The bastards had the back door open, didn't walk in. Um, but yeah, uh, this is going to be a different crowd. It's night. Um, I would imagine Kentucky. I don't know if it's going to be the unhinged factor it was last week, but, but it's, it's going to be, be pumped. Yeah. yeah. The only thing about this is Ed Orgeron, as a road underdog, has been really good at LSU. Seven and zero against the spread with five straight up wins, and they're catching points this week here at Kroger Field. So that's kind of that's that makes you worry, but all signs point to like an implosion's coming there. And then when you look at their schedule, oh, it's good, Nick. It's not getting any easier. They're gonna they're gonna have to play like five top twenty teams in a row um, at Kentucky. Then they're home at Florida for eleven a.m. local kickoff at Ole Miss. Bye at Alabama, Arkansas at home. Yeah. Uh, so like, I mean, they're in they're in a this. If they lose Ole Miss, like the perfect spot to fire him if they wanted to would be the Hall- – they got by Halloween weekend um, before they play Bama. Or maybe let him just get slaughtered by Bama and then hire somebody else to, for the last <laughs> three games. But, I mean, like they're with that loss to Auburn, they're, they're potentially looking at five or six losses in a row down the barrel. And they're going to be dogs in all these games right now. Maybe Arkansas at home they would get, they would be favored. But all these other games are going to be dogs in. Man, has a chance to become unraveled. Kentucky, they could do to Coach O what they did to Steve Spurrier uh, a few weeks ago, and you can make some money on it by playing some of our picks. We got some some money line winners. We didn't have – I don't think we had any winners last week like it. But you can get all of the winners each week by playing with our friends at prize picks there's not a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing a little daily fantasy 
with prize picks. You can also bet uh, the the player props over under yard totals. This is it goes for college and pro. Uh, so whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan, just want to get a little excitement. And prize pick is the perfect game for you. Just like two to five players and pick over unders. Pretty pretty simple. So go ahead, download the prize picks app today at prizepicks.com or go to the app store use the promo code personnel to get an instant 100 bonus on up to 100 on your first deposit so use that promo code personnel and win big with our friends at prize picks and uh, man i i should have gone in on the money line with our good friends from the Nevada Wolfpack because they took care yep. of business against Boise. Really, really, it, it was. I will say though, it was a split year for our Mountain West teams because I, I, I felt like I kind of co-opted Fresno when you mentioned them. They've been really good against the spread, but they went and turned it over seventeen times against Hawaii. Back to your point, um, Orgeron's twenty-three and thirteen without Joe Burrow. Oh, twenty-five and three with him. Is Joe Burrow walking through that door? I don't think so. You know who is walking through that door? You want to talk about the crowd coming unhinged? Stevie Johnson's coming back, and I think Dickie Lyons Jr. is too. He kind of made a reference about Dickie Lyons calling him to get him back there. You get both mm-hmm. of those guys back. You show Craig Stelzer getting his face knocked off. You show Stevie Johnson putting up yeah. the birds. Like, that's that's better than Waka Flocka. You play that going in the fourth quarter, that is going to be – nutty absolutely nutty so yeah I for do- this game i think um before we get to our picks here or talk about the card this week like kentucky i think it's really important just don't file behind early yeah because if you fall behind early lsu gets some big plays then that can force you to get pass heavy and that's not where kentucky wants to be especially well, and, in this matchup and especially to the unhinged unraveling factor you punch them in the mouth early like how many counter punches does lsu have yeah. left in its tank they that that one against florida last year that was a big one and a guy who played a big part in it, it's dare rosenthal he's they're really the, missing him right he's on the other sideline now they could use him i'm sure he's going to take it personally uh, i'm sure we're gonna be getting some boss man fat tweets during the game um so i uh man you, you land a quick ball early. You get back to that offense that's fast starting. Uh, if you notice, Stoops deferred Florida game after receiving the first few, and they scored on three of the first four possessions. I'm wondering if they would I'm wondering take if the ball. Would, if he would go back to it and take the ball in this game, if they feel a we'll little see. bit better in that matchup. Yeah, and also feels because of their pass game, um, they might. there's going to be some sack opportunities. I thought yeah. Jordan Wright won on a few pass rush reps. So he's close, I think, to making some big plays. Um, Weaver's obviously been a weapon there. And then we saw some stuff, I even think, from Justin Rogers. And, like, in this matchup, Nick, like not having Marquand is going to really, really hurt against Georgia when they're coming straight down the chimney at you and you need to hold up against a big um, physical offensive line. But in this matchup, it's going to be more about getting a pass rush. And so having Rogers in there, I think – isn't a it's huge drop off? Yeah, and he's got. Well, he's got just, well, I think it might be. You know, if you're, if we get in the game where LSU passes forty six times and they only run it eighteen or whatever, like having Rogers in there is kind of a, a little bit. Uh, it's a pass rush upgrade, and if seventy percent of the snaps are pass, you know, passing, I think he can he can have an impact this game. 
Yeah. And I think there was a little worry, like, all right, Rogers, where are you at? And when his number yeah. got called, he showed up. He, he certainly yeah. did. And the Good thing too, that we don't, it goes back to, to perception on how the game's played. I mean, Kentucky had zero sacks. The second game, they've had zero sacks in the year, but they at least affected the quarterback. That's the word that Stoops likes to use. It's much more open-ended and not, like, specific because, you know, they had that one. Emory Jones made a couple of great plays just getting rid of the football. Uh, but you count those as a win for the D-line yeah. in the pass rush. Well, they were going to have a sack there at the end. That face mask was unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. If really Ox was. just grabs him – about five inches shorter, he's sacked right there. No, no. And, you know, and it, and it, and it wasn't egregious. Feet. You know, he wasn't. Goal from the 15. It wasn't a malicious. It was an yeah. effort. It just like, got, He just caught the bottom of the yeah. bottom row of the face mask. Yeah. So, it's. uh, So, I, I, it is it is funny, though, how a few weeks can change things. I like it. Like, this defense it's now. Just, that's, that's the season. I mean, that's kind of how football is. Oh, it's man. Kind of, I love it. It's so like, stupid. I love it. Because one game a week and the overreactions are crazy. You really don't – like, you got to get to five, six games before you really know about a team. And even then, the stuff can change. Um, but, like, Kentucky, like you're just seeing, they got a bunch of seniors and they've recruited that defensive line position well. Um, so, you're starting to see all that come together. And now, offensively, after the hot start, they're kind of – they're sputtering a little bit. So, they got to figure stuff out there. Um, and I hated that they missed that – that they had the extra point block because I really wanted to get on here and say, are we go- where are y'all at on the special teams coordinator now? Where, where are y'all at? But then well, I couldn't then, do it because he missed extra point. Th- that was another one, too, that, like, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, oh, please don't hunt us extra point. Please don't hunt us extra point when – Yeah. I mean, I guess in reality it, it didn't hurt, but what, when they had that third and – or fourth and one or two and they were going to go for it and then they get the false start, if it's an 11 point game, Mullen probably still goes for it, right? Or does he still kick a field goal? He probably still kicks a field goal because you can get Luther's to eight. kicked a field goal. Um, he got a little greedy. And then they jump off sides. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because he goes for it there, he's going to waste a minute trying to score at least. And you're, you're getting to the point where you need two scores. So you're better off getting the score as fast as possible as you can there. Right, if right. He, you know, they're going to waste two minutes, you know, there. And Kentucky's going to get, you know, you might not get the ball back with a minute left. Um, you still only need a field goal, I guess, so it's not that big a deal. But the, the move there is to take the point. So, um, it ended up working out that way. But it was an interesting ride getting there. All right, well, I'm, I want to ask you, so I think we're all feeling pretty good about this game on saturday I, ultimately the intangibles probably matter more than the physical ones in this game whereas it's like you really should win this game but is there a hangover factor from the florida win and where's lsu at like that mentally the intangibles probably matter more than anything to me the physical like what kind of shape are they in um they were banged up a lot in that florida game um you know mccall's out Fortner looks like he just took a punch from Lennox Lewis. <laughs> I met Lennox Lewis at the Derby. He Big was uh, one year I was doing security detail. I got grounded for the Derby. So I, I worked it, <laughs> which, you know, that's a story to tell another story, man. That, that's a, uh, yeah, you, you ain't kidding. Uh, that's also like the most South end cruel and usual punishment grounded for Derby, you know? Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, Lennox Lewis, enormous human. I mean, I'm a big guy. I was 16, but I was still like 6'5". Dude's like 6'9", with the big hair, the big chest, enormous human being. Um, I would not want to take a punch from him. Luke Fortner looks like he did. I wonder what his eyes looking like today. Because you figure day, two days after is probably the biggest. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, uh, black and purple there for couple weeks mm, gnarly gnarly um but God, I, I interrupted you but yes physically there's some dudes that are banged up and stoops is keeping it as tight left as possible but i can guarantee you that there's going to be one or two guys outside of mark one mccall that ain't playing on saturday that we don't know about yet we'll probably find out eventually but we don't know about yet right and so you like just how, hope that they aren't the impact guys so how banged up is kentucky and then lsu just they're playing a lot of young guys um, so I don't think there's going to be maybe a huge quit factor in them because they're, they're, they're still young. Those guys want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ordron's been good in the spot. Like we talked about, 7-0 and as a road dog against the spread. But since that UCLA loss, it felt like they were just one tough defeat away from things crumbling. You kind of saw that in his press conference this week. Um, so we'll, I could see that playing out, but I also could see them, you know, putting it together here because it's still only October 9th. It's true. And so we'll see. I think Kentucky's the better team. I think it's a good matchup for Kentucky. As long as Kentucky doesn't fall in a hole early and, like we said, avoid, you know, big turnover margin problems and special teams catastrophe. But they still haven't won the turnover margin in a game yet. They split it against Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the block kick doesn't count as a turnover. Um, so Because that was the other big play. That, right. It, it doesn't count as a turnover, but it, it, it serves as the equalizer. And, LSU, I think, is minus two on the year. They haven't forced a lot of takeaways. So go out and win the turnover margin, and they should, Kentucky should be in great shape. Um, but I think they're better. I think LSU plays in their hands a little bit when the Tigers are on offense. And I think Kentucky's offense could have their way running the ball against LSU, and that could open up things in the passing game. And I'd like to see Cohen get a little creative in the run game this week with some stuff with Levis jet sweeps with Robinson or other ways to get Robinson the ball in the run game, maybe getting McLean some touches. I think that could be the ticket this week. Um, should be a crazy atmosphere. Um, it's a huge spot, you know, because of what, if you win this one, then next week is just bananas. Yeah. You know, Banana CBS land. Is, Got the. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but I think Kentucky's going to have a great chance. Uh, man, it's it's an exciting time in the bluegrass. Um, and once again, it's a, an exciting time to make some money. Yep. Uh, money line picks. I gotta say, though, look it. your PT's picks, buddy. <laughs> at this point, I just you know, I'm, I'm gonna mean, start like, picking the opposite. I, you, you really have to. So, for those who don't listen to my radio show, Kentucky Roll Call, you should. Uh, like it's going to be hopping on with us some this week because TJ's got a new little baby girl, Lucy, that came into the world this uh, yesterday. So congrats to the Walkers. But um, we do three picks every Friday. Luckett is now 1-15, or 1-14, excuse 14. me. Went 0-3 again. I just, I don't, it really I've is won this, I've won this, this the last two years. <laughs> comfortably, com- comfortably. Like, oh, man. by a good margin. And then and you can't you can't find a winner out there. 
that it's been quite a, I've never had a uh, cold streak like this. Even in the luck, it's locked. I'm having a little bit better success, but not much. Um, it's been, uh, it's been tough. Now, well they, they Notre Dame, that was tough. That was, that was a tough one. They throw an interception in the end zone on the first drive. And then Desmond Ritter, the your old St. X Tiger, showed a little bit of poise there in the second half to kind of slow that comeback down. But man, I think we're really like well, you alluded to it earlier in the year with Ohio State. I think we're at the point with Georgia and Alabama. Just if we can get as few points as possible, just take it because they're going to come. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they kind of exposed Ole Miss there. That was a big moment for I think for Alabama. Um, Ohio State's starting to get their act together a little bit. That was impressive what they did to Rutgers. Watching them moving forward is going to be um, something to watch. But like, is Iowa the best? Is Iowa the best team not named? Uh, I don't think so because their offense is just so bad. You you can't. They're like plus fourteen in the turnover column. Like that's just not going to last. But fifty one points so. though. they yeah, all? I think they, the Penn State. I, I think Penn State gets them this week. I think Penn State's pretty good. That's, um, that's but Nick, be like, a very popular pick. I'm gonna walk this. Kentucky wins Saturday, okay. loses to Georgia, um, okay. but doesn't get blown out. Let's say it's like 28 to 10, something like that. 17-13, just playing in the mud. Whatever. Kentucky wins out. They're 11 and 1. They would have a hell of a case for that number four spot. Just putting that out there. They would. I mean, they really got a case. All right, and here's the thing, too. I know my answer. Would you rather be – fourth playoff team or would you rather oh, you know my answer yeah sugar screw bowl the playoff i want to like, take me to sugar bowl let's play oklahoma or something yeah, yeah. I, I i i want i want new orleans too i want it bad and not just because of new orleans but it's also getting that being in the playoff does like there's only how many teams outside of the big three can say that like michigan state i mean mm-hmm. you know not many can say that so Oregon, that would become year. an exclusive club especially if expansion is on the horizon you could really that that does a lot for your program. Uh, a recruiting tool for sure. No doubt. But from a just from a fun, we're gonna go play in this big bowl game. Let's get like I, I would have much more fun playing a, a a winnable game. I mean, like, come on, you're the fourth seed against Alabama or Georgia, you know, whoever that is. Like it's a tall task. Mm-hmm. Tall task. Especially if you have to replay Georgia again, because I could see that scenario happening. Like that would suck. Yeah. It would yeah. suck really bad. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Give me. Yeah, I would rather go. But they, I think, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, that's all. That scenario is on the tape. Like it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's all I'm. All it's all I'm putting out there. Also, uh, Georgia went down to fourteen and a half against Auburn. So we're eagle at home. Yeah. So Nick, this week I have to fade Tennessee. Oh, after that, love it. So, South Carolina, that line's moved a lot. It's down to 10.5, plus 3.20. Give me the Gamecocks. Shane Beamer, figure out a way to get it done, bro. I think I'm going to play the under in this game. Under 55 will be one of my plays. Um, But give me – like, that Tennessee game, that was kind of a fraud. South Carolina, they're not going to – they're going to play them a lot smarter than Missouri did. Um, And I think they can keep it close. So, give me the Gamecocks, plus 3.20, money line. Um, But that's going to be an under I'm probably going to play this week. I uh, this one's a little irresistible, and I don't like the spot because I think they've already faced enough embarrassment. But I think the wheels are coming off the Graham Mertz train. Wisconsin is going yeah. to Illinois in the Burt Bowl 
they're they're they've gotten two more. It opened at eight. It's up to ten. Mm-hmm. I think the old fighting Illini can get it done. Like Wisconsin doesn't do anything that's too much for Illinois to yeah. handle. So. Illinois plus three ten. I like that. I like them getting points at home. Yeah. Um, to they've already covered twice as a home dog this year. Nebraska and Maryland. Anyway, their offense, it's they're all like that. That game, it feels like thirteen to ten. I hope the wind <laughs> yeah. is like thirty miles an hour. No, yeah, the f- forty-two and a half is twenty points too many. You know, like the, the, this is going to be an ugly <laughs> ass game. <laughs> like, yeah, is it, yeah, this is one of those that they should play it at Northwestern's field with a real tall grass, just because that's what it's going to look like. You know, mm-hmm. that's what it's going to feel like. Yeah. Between Northwestern, there's never been. I don't. You you made this point when we were keeping up with Purdue and they blew it to with Minnesota. Never been a sunny day for a game in West Lafayette or Evanston. You know, it's always gloomy, cloudy skies. For some reason, it gets it does get a little sun in Champaign, but it's it's really going to be shining uh, Saturday night when they they take down uh, Burt's old mm-hmm. old Badgers. Yeah. And I, I don't like love the card this week. Um, bye weeks are starting to pop up, so it's a little thin. A lot of these matchups are just like, eh, I don't know about this. Man, you know what game's going to be crazy? It's Virginia Louisville. That game's going to be yeah, like, who knows know. what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, that's, that'll be a fun – big game for Satterfield. Yeah. Because all of a sudden they could be three and three, one and two in the ACC. Um, but they're going to be fine because the ACC is so bad. There's going to be every game you can win. Um, Arkansas Ole Miss – both teams just coming off of beatdowns. Yeah, yeah. Who so knows? That, that'll be a fun nooner there to start the day. South Carolina, Tennessee. You got the – I'm I'm a huge fan of Red River, so Oklahoma, Texas is always fun. Yeah. And so I, I mean, there's some I moments, don't know but it's to, just not a great – it's not a great card. UConn, UMass. I really just like following UConn yeah, around. I, I kind of just want to – would you rather lay the points with UConn? Because that's the only time you're going to be able to lay the points with them. Or <laughs> – or uh, get it, give UMass, get UMass as a small home dog. Oh man, I think you have to UConn because they were sniffing that. I might win do a week over ago. over fifty five in that game. Oh god, I'm gonna score some points. I don't think it's gonna be a shootout. Man, yeah, I, I, and the thing is too is as much as I liked the card last week, it was one of my worst weeks in a while. Because that's usually favorites, how it works out. Favorites, and that's what I'm banking on this week. Hate the cards, so I'll do well. Pick some right games. Hey, you're due right. Yeah, <laughs> man, and uh, I keep I know, saying I keep, can't get any lower, but it keeps getting lower. Uh, this is so now I'm gonna let's see if I can lose out. This is semi-related to college football, but um, Urban Meyer's done, right? Like, yeah, there's some scuttlebutt going on this Tuesday morning. Man, not flying back with the team. A lot of weird vibes there. The thing. Whew. Trains I don't really like the, the not flying back with the team. I don't think it's a huge deal because it's like a it's almost like a bye week, so everybody's kind of doing their, own, their thing. own way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't think that's like a huge you know deal. Yeah, but, I just like that they were like we've tried to figure out other times that coaches didn't fly back with the team, and it was like Bill Parcells losing the Super Bowl and never coaching the Patriots again. <laughs> you know, like uh, th- there's not exactly a large sample size. It is extenuating circumstances, but. Uh, yeah, I uh, I just – I want Josh Allen to be in a good spot. And Urban Meyer, just – what a fool. What a fool. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do. Ooh, you know – Promote Charlie be... Strong. Make Charlie Strong the interim. There we go. That'll be fun. 
make football Charlie again. Um, the Notre Dame Virginia Tech game should be a good one Saturday night. Home dog yeah. Virginia Tech Lane Stadium. Uh, two offenses that are kind of struggling. Yeah, could be a slugfest. Yeah, that could be defenses fun. have kind of had a resurgence this year. I think a lot of it's due to kind of as a sport, the quarter, the quarterback position is kind of taking a step back. Yeah. And also last year you were going to expect some COVID setbacks because teams weren't tackling and the pre like the, the way that you prepared for the season was just off. Um, yeah. So I, I think that played a part in it as well. And, and when we come into the season, you've got Spencer Rattler as the preseason Heisman favorite, like you're going, that, that's not going to happen. Okay. Spencer Rattler will end up being a fine quarterback, but this is what his first year starting in his second season of football in college. That sounds right. Like that dude. Uh, sec- yeah, second season. Yeah. Man. Game could get a little weird. A little weird. Unfortunately, AM's off the handle. That game, Alabama's already up to 17 and a half point favorites. Yeah. AM, they just don't have a quarterback. I mean, if you don't have, you know, the quarterback kind of big. They got everything else. Like this year for AM, like I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Like if they're going to get a quarterback next year and they're going to be fine because their roster is loaded. And the thing, thing for LSU, like they could be back next year ready to roll because uh, mm-hmm. they do have talent on the roster. They just might need a change there. Man. But Dan Mullen's starting to feel some heat now. Florida fans are very mad. They were That's so fun. mad. The most fun thing for me the first five weeks is just – these these three SEC fan bases have just lost their mind after losing to Kentucky. <laughs> Every, each one, and it's each gotten progressively worse. Like right, Missouri right. was like, "This I can't believe we lost. How can we not be Kentucky?" South Carolina's like, you know, they had it teed up. It was a big game. How can we not be Kentucky? And now, you know, now you do it to Mullen, and now they're oh. they're throwing out the records. Well, Mullen's only two and two against Kentucky after <laughs> thirty in a row. I love that. Even Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain. And those takes are so bad because they're such in like a – it's not the same. Like, Jim McElwain wasn't facing this Kentucky. Yeah, Will Muschamp yeah, wasn't yeah. facing but this that, Kentucky. That, I, that was my favorite message board post of all, of them all. Like, that was that one was incredible. The He's a, <laughs> he's no Spurrier Urban. He's yeah. – McElwain Kentucky's is the same. Like, Kentucky's the same team every year. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're the same team. Beat them. But a talk before the game was like they wanted this game. They were Florida fans were upset that these games have been so close. Yeah, too close for their liking. Yeah, and then Kentucky That's goes Florida for you, them. man. Those arrogant SOBs. You love to beat them down. That that field goal block. That's going to be one yeah. we're not going to forget like, anytime soon. The big JJ Weaver pick. Just what an unforgettable game. That yeah, it was fans uh, it really was, just they deserve that one. They really it was did. a scene. And I'm happy for everybody, you know, people that have been going to these games a long time, fans. Uh, that's why you go – that's why you buy season tickets every year for moments like that. And when you talked about when the schedule came out like two years ago, like this is the – this is a season ticket holder's dream. Oh, man. Like you get a good – you have a good Kentucky team and you're getting all these big-name teams at home. And the schedule should have Louisville on it. Yeah, um, yeah. If it wasn't for COVID. Right. And so, like, it's – and it's already playing out as – you know, as good as you can get it to this point, they're still winning four and zero in one possession games. You would like to win a game, but you know, they by more than that. It feels like they still haven't put it all together either. Um, and maybe that, maybe that, that game comes today where offense, defense, they all, they both put it together and maybe issue a statement to LSU. I think it's a matchup that that leans Kentucky's way, and I think that could happen if the, the bounces. 
man, let's get the ball to keep bouncing Kentucky's way. Let's run the damn ball and take care of business. Man, 6-0 and would just be mwah, magnifico. You really tee up that Georgia game to be another enormous game against the dogs where, hey, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Uh, Coach O, it was fun watching you win a national title. It's going to be even more fun to watch you lose at the Krog. Let's get a two-game win streak against the Tigers going like it at the Kroger Field. I think it can happen. Man, it can happen. Let's make it happen. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's 11 personnel. Enjoy Saturday night at the Krogue. We'll be back here next week with more 11 personnel. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.